Is there anything worse than listening to Geller? Is there anything worse than listening to Geller toot his own horn at the roadie's success? I guess the only thing worse is listening to Chris Collinsworth. So keep it up. You're doing better than NBC. Hey, everyone, and welcome back. We have another great edition of a bit of fellatio here for you today. I am your host, Jason Geller, alongside producer extraordinaire, John Maddox. John, how's it going? I'm pretty good over here. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing good, but I'm not sure what's up with that audio clip there. We have another voicemail from a listener. Yeah, a listener, not an owner, just a listener, uh, left us a, a voice memo uh, on the on the app. So thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Well, let me tell you something about Spaz. All right, here's a guy who couldn't cut it in the waffle. He didn't say his name. How do you know I, who? I know that's Spaz. I can't stand him sometimes, man. It just drives me. At least he didn't talk anything about UCF this time. But yeah, I, I know he couldn't cut it in the waffle and he never won a championship in like 12 years in the league. He would not cut it here in this league whatsoever. So I'm glad he's listening. But you know what? This was meant to be kind of like the higher difficulty league. This is a league for champions and advanced level fantasy football spaz you don't belong here you can listen but but no more voicemails no so how about that weekend man you know what john let's yeah let's pivot to something a little more uplifting for both you and me we both were winners in the playoffs how about that high five bud yeah great job you did good i did i got, I got lucky i had i had some uh some guys outperform and on on top of eking out a win here i actually won in two of my other three fantasy football leagues so out of the four fantasy football leagues i'm in the semifinals in three leagues that's good congratulations i, I had a three and a week myself in all my leagues a lot run by so yeah it was a good week overall um you could tell my voice a little hoarse um i lost my voice a little bit cheering on the lions on sunday there was actually a stretch where I think right after the Lions scored their their big go-ahead touchdown or some huge play, and then literally on one of my other TVs, seconds later, Justin Fields throws a big touchdown pass, and I'm just going nuts at this point. Like I'm I'm screaming the top of my head. So what are you going to do if the Lions actually make the playoffs? I, you know what? So here's the deal. I I think we can make the playoffs. We just got to win out, and then like one or two other things have to happen that aren't all that tough. Like we need Kansas City and San Francisco to win home games against the teams in front of us. So it's not like we're asking for a lot. Obviously, we need to win our games. But this year is kind of bonus because we're supposed to be rebuilding. We're still part of the rebuild. It just feels like it's moved faster than expected. I'm really excited with having two first-round picks. I mean, it's fun rooting against the Rams, knowing that we right now have like the number four overall draft pick despite winning six straight by virtue of that Matt Stafford trade. So it's it's weird. I, I don't know that we've ever had like optimism to this level as a Lions fan since really going back to the 90s when Barry Sanders was around. Well, I guess all you really have to worry about is if Danny's in the playoffs in another league, if he happens to pick up the Lions QB and start him. He better yeah, not be in trouble. I hope he doesn't. I don't want his QB stink curse tied to us. In fact, I got to make sure I'm not starting the same quarterback as him in any of the other leagues. <laughs> well, 
Good news. We have a great show for everyone. Uh, we're going to go through a couple of the game recaps. Only two games this time we've talked about. Usually we cover 12 games. Two game recaps. Um, we promised uh, for some of our eliminated teams, we're going to take a look at their 2023 outlook. So this episode, we're going to do a deep dive into the four teams that were eliminated first and foremost um, this season. So we'll look at the Tortoises, the Gingers, Fantasy Football Team, and the Mob. We're going to dive into what they're rosters look like with contracts tied through next year and beyond franchise tag candidates talk about kind of what their cap situation looks like and then at the end of the episode we're going to do the semifinals preview two games coming up here team wobble against the roadies and you'll see against team maddox so we had we you know it's it's the playoffs and we still got a full jam-packed episode for you guys today yeah should be a good one yep well john as always we usually start out with the the high score of the week and i guess what john it's you really it is yeah and congratulations you put up a perfect lineup um cruise past danny it wasn't particularly close i know he had a little bit of hope going into monday night football he had aaron Rodgers and christian watson needed a 50 out of those two combined didn't come close to it so you ended up with room to spare but man you had that big game from kirk cousins that historic comeback kirk um, the jerk yeah kirk the jerk um he was a jerk uh, in the first half he put up negative one fantasy points in the first half and then finished um with 32 so 33 after so really good i'm sure you had to be enjoying watching that 460 passing yards four tap four passing touchdowns and a two-point conversion how were you feeling were you watching that game I was not. I was actually out playing a round of disc golf during that game. Uh, pulled up my phone. was having a pretty good round. Pulled up my phone to check on it and uh, checked on it at halftime and put my phone in my pocket and said, well, I'm losing. So there's that. And then when I got home, I checked and went, oh, well, that's a happy surprise. <laughs> I was actually I was at Universal. Uh, with the family um, but i bought the nfl plus package it's only five dollars a month at this point so i was like yeah oh, you know what for five bucks i can watch the games from there that are on the nfl network uh, watched the first half at home and then you know drove out to the theme parks and kind of kept tabs on it while the kids were on the playground and yeah it was uh couldn't believe cousins did all that just a amazing collapse by indianapolis but that's what you get when you hire a guy with no coaching experience i suppose yeah and i wasn't too terribly comfortable going into this weekend I was playing Danny. Danny's had an up and down season. Um, and then I was actually matched up against Danny in another league as well. And you know what? I gave Danny the old double deuce. Oh, the double deuce. The double deuce. <laughs> well, you <laughs> mean you did it um, pretty consistently. I don't know about the other league. We're not talking. We're not here to talk about that <laughs> league. But, but this league here. Um, you did it really consistently, man. Every single one of your skill position players put up between nine and 12 points. So nobody thrived, obviously, other than Kirk Cousins, but nobody let you down either. And then I got to talk to you about one guy, though. You picked up and started a tight end. I sure did. Danny has a history with. I sure did. Taysom Hill. Was that was that by design? Well, we talked about it uh, last week that Pat Fryermuth was nursing an ankle injury. So there was a little bit of doubt there. And then on top of that, I told you, I don't want my fantasy season to come down to Mitch Trubitsky. You know, lo and behold, what happened? Pat Fryermuth did not get a single target in the entire game. He did play, but he didn't get a single target. So he finished with zero points. And the best tight end out there 
was Taysom Hill. So it was just a, a happy accident that I got to start Taysom Hill against Danny and Taysom as a pure tight end had an awful game. Uh, I don't think he got, he didn't have a single target. However, he got 30 rushing yards, 80 passing yards and a passing touchdown. Yeah. Usually anytime you get 80 passing yards out of your tight end, that's a good game. Yeah. No, see, I mean, yeah, you did, you did well. And you know, that wasn't the only decision that we got to commend you on. I mean, you chose cousins over Tua. that wound up netting you 15 points. I don't know how much this is. I mean, you have Chubb and Eckler, but you also have Isaiah Pacheco on your bench. You picked the right two options there. It wasn't, you know, too uh, distinct of a difference. Pacheco put up seven, Chubb nine, Eckler had 12. But yeah, I mean, you got the two right running backs there and you, you benched a, a wide receiver. This was interesting. You started Donovan Peoples-Jones over Deontay Johnson. Um, Deontay Johnson ended up having a hundred yard day, but people's Jones bailed you out with a uh, receiving touchdown to uh, equal his same fantasy output. Yeah. I don't know if you say bailed out. He's, he's a producer DPJ. But he is, but I mean, I don't know if Deontay's middle initial is P, but he could be DPJ as well. And I've been talking him up all year. We've talked up Taysom Hill. You went and started him. But as much as we've talked up Deontay Johnson, you couldn't find room in your starting lineup. I get maybe you got the same issue with Mitch Trubisky that you have with benching Pat Fryermuth. I guess could be the only explanation I could think of. Well, I, I've alluded to this, but the script for this season is already written. The, the script is that you and I match up in the championship game. And that's when I start Deontay Johnson. And Deontay Johnson and Tyreek Hill just destroy you in the championship game. That would just tie a ribbon. That would put a bow on this podcast. You know, people are talking about it. It's weird. Even Josh is kind of rooting for it, which is weird because I'm playing him. Uh, but that matchup would make the podcast extremely difficult to do next week. I don't know how we get through it. It would certainly be funny, I would imagine. But yeah, it's a very plausible outcome, I guess, now that we're just down to two games remaining. Um, there's a chance. I don't know that it's really going to happen. You know, We'll talk about the, the matchups to come. But it would be nice. It, it would make for good content. You know, looking at Danny's production this week, I wasn't comfortable going into that game last night with Rod Rogers and uh, Christian Watson. And I'll tell you why. Because those guys have been hot and cold. He only needed 50 points. It was extremely plausible that Christian Watson catches another three touchdowns and, you know, Rogers throws for three or four and has a ton of yards. So they very easily could have topped 50 points between the two of them. I went back and looked in the big game that uh, in the three touchdown game that Watson had before. I, I don't think that the two of them topped 50. They did. They're, You're they're talking about the week 10 game against Dallas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Christian Watson had 28, uh, but only 18 for, Aaron Rodgers, so they finished 46 combined. So even, you know, on the day that Watson caught three touchdowns, wasn't enough to get him there. And I think that's, you know, again, you were looking at needing to dodge a monster game. I don't think there was, you know, a monster game kind of in play from the outset. They just weren't throwing Watson the ball that much. Sure. Um, but no, we mentioned all your decisions that you got right. Unfortunately, Danny got a lot of these decisions wrong. So he started Aaron Rodgers, who finished with an 11. Brock Purdy, who we've talked about, you know, it feels like somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but go figure. He put up a 16, so that's five points 
um, that Danny left on the table there. He started DeAndre Swift over A.J. Dillon. That cost him 11 points. A.J. Dillon scored two touchdowns on Monday night, so that would have been the Packers to start. Um, and then he benched Jalen Waddle, which was very curious. Um, I think he was worried about the weather and the matchup at Buffalo. Waddle ended up getting 114 yards and a touchdown on Danny's bench, 17 points. I don't know who he would have benched otherwise between Christian Watson and DK Metcalf. Feels like AJ Brown was going to be locked into this lineup regardless. Um, but yeah, that decision there cost him another 13 or 12 or 13 points, depending on who he benched. You know, and on the on the text, Danny was complaining about Thursday night games, which I would guess he was debating starting Waddle over Metcalf with Seattle having that Thursday night game. But Waddle wasn't wasn't nursing an injury, was he? Um, no, to my knowledge, I don't think he was going in. I think if anything, Tyreek Hill was the receiver that had it. Um, I guess let me look at this here. This was this goes back to December 9th was the last time he had a um, yeah, so, Jalen so Waddle had an injury designation. So if Danny's gonna blame it on the Thursday night game, then he must have just been reading weather reports and worried about a blizzard or something. Now, in fairness to Danny, those three decisions we mentioned, Rogers, Swift, and Watson um, over Purdy, Dillon, and Waddle, only cost him 28 points. He lost by 35, so a perfect lineup just by itself wouldn't have saved him. The one other call that I got to make, he picked waivers. Cole Komet starts him, and he puts up a two. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the guys that Danny left on the table there at tight end on the waiver wire was Juwan Johnson, who put up an 18. So another 16 points had he picked the right tight end. Um, you could have certainly picked the right tight end as well, John. Um, but yeah, Danny, you know, with those four moves combined, could have won it. The points were there altogether. But the team he said, you know, he trotted out, just didn't put up numbers for him this week. Wasn't particularly close. He lost by 35. Yeah. Well, so I'm moving on to semifinals. Uh, what about you, bud? Hey, I am also moving on to the semifinals. I didn't have uh, quite as easy a path, um, but I got by Brett 92 to 82. The story for me was picking up a guy off waivers, Jarek McKinnon. Jerk McKinnon. Not, a, not a jerk in my book. <laughs> um, 52 rushing yards and a touchdown, 70 receiving yards and a touchdown, a two-point conversion, all this en route to a 26. Um, because I know in last week's episode, I said that if, Ramondre Stevenson was healthy. I was going to start him. However, I didn't realize at the time New England was playing in the four o'clock game. Uh, McKinnon and Najee Harris were playing in the one o'clock games. I didn't have definitive clarity on Stevenson at the time, so I had to start McKinnon. It ended up working out in my favor much. Um, Stevenson actually had a huge game, put up 23 points on my bench, but still, you know, McKinnon coming off the waiver wire, I could have picked anyone else and wouldn't have gotten enough points for the win. So I'm thrilled with McKinnon's output this week. Yeah. Lucky you. Um, and then, you know, the other guy that carried me, Justin Fields, I talked about, you know, helping me lose my voice. He just stepped out of bounds or he would have had a bigger day on a big 50 yard run um, where they said he did not score the touchdown, but he still had 95 rushing yards, 152 passing yards, two touchdowns and route to 23 points. So 49 out of those two guys combined more than half my points just out of Fields and McKinnon. But even that uh, decision to start fields, uh, your backup was Trevor Lawrence, who put up 26 right. points also. Yeah, I actually lost myself some points there, three points by not starting Lawrence. I, I'll i be honest, I didn't see that game coming out of him. Figured Dallas would put up a better fight on defense, but um, four passing touchdowns. I guess the good news is both of those games were happening simultaneously, so I was getting the points from fields already. It would have hurt to have to watch Lawrence on my bench. 
not knowing Fields was putting up the points if Fields was playing later. Well, now let's let's wind this back a little bit. How sure. were you feeling Thursday night after that game? After which game? The San Francisco Seattle game? Yeah. So uh, you're facing Brett, and he's got Kittle that puts up a 21 leading off, and you know Robbie Gould only only three out of Gould, but he's got a 21 out of his tight end. How are you feeling going into the weekend? Not great, obviously. You know, with Debo Samuel going out, that was the worry I had. I had Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk barely got the ball. He only had 19 receiving yards, so he put up a one. Kittle gets those two big touchdowns for 21 points. And, um, you know, I'm playing from behind already, and I think that's where really locked in my decision to start Justin Fields is I felt I needed that huge rushing yard advantage out of Fields. I needed high volatility, high um, high ceiling guys, and that's what McKinnon and Fields offered me. Hey, and real quick, one more thing on your team. Um, I saw a note here. You're, you – you brought up the um, the trade between you and Danny. Yeah, so going back right before the trade deadline, I traded away DK Metcalf and DeAndre Swift to Danny for Najee Harris and Michael Pittman. Um, I won this game today by or this week by 10 points. Harris and Pittman combined for 23 fantasy points. The other two guys, DK and Swift, only combined for 12 fantasy points. Had I not made that trade, I would have fallen one point short. So... Kind of looking back at the, some of those, you know, inflection points in the season, that was one of them. That got me by here. All right. Well, good deal there. But, yeah, everyone else kind of went cold. Chris Olave went cold. Mark Andrews went cold. Justin Tucker, man, if you told me Justin Tucker was going to attempt three field goals, two of them were going to be 50-yarders, and only make one of them, I, I just – I can't believe – you know, one of them was blocked. One of them pushed – missed it wide. So – yeah, just a tough game for Justin Tucker, of all people you expect to be consistent and getting the opportunities and still not knocking them through. Yeah, and then on Brett's side, there wasn't a whole lot that he could do. He's had a, a rough go of it with uh, his running backs. He had Kenneth Walker, who was questionable going into that game, only put up a seven. You know, if he's healthy, it's it's San Francisco, but if he's healthy, you know, he probably performs a little bit better and stays in the in the starting lineup. And then... Brett having Jonathan Taylor go down early on in the game kind of solidified his his outlook. Yeah, that was real rough for him because that was his first touch. He gets a 13-yard reception, hurts himself, uh, high ankle sprain. I mean, he's done for the season now. They put him on IR. Not that it matters to Brett at this stage. But yeah, I don't know that J- you know, Jonathan Taylor was going to come out of his lineup for either of those guys anyway. I mean, that would have been pretty bold to bench Taylor. Obviously, he wasn't injured going into the game. Um, Dobbins, you know, had that big game coming back from IR last week. So maybe Dobbins could have been a candidate to be benched. Dobbins ended up outscoring Walker and and Brian Robinson Jr. as well. So that was the right decision. But yeah, that, that injury to Jonathan Taylor really just offset all the advantage that he got earlier on Thursday from George Kittle putting up a 21. Yeah. And then the injury to Debo Samuel last week kind of, well, really hurt him, uh, having to rely on, uh, more and Pickens in his lineup, you know, relying on a Houston wide receiver and a receiver catching balls from Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. I mean, Chris Moore had that big game when Nico Collins and Brandon cooks were inactive last week. He put up, you know, at 12, it was all yardage, no end zone touchdowns, but 124 yards. So he was kind of hoping, I guess Brett was that Chris Moore could replicate that. He couldn't, he puts up a four you'd figure, you know, could a healthy Debo Samuel or a healthy Cortland Sutton for that matter have put up more, even a healthy Traylon Burks probably would have been better options for him to start. 
George Pickens, yeah, I mean, he had a five. It's it's okay. But yeah, just kind of a tough break when all that comes together at the same time for him. Well, Brett and Danny are out. We uh, we tip our hats to both of you. You put up a good fight. Uh, Brett, we counted you out weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and you battled back, won the division. Uh, you made it further than anybody else. Well, I think Jason was was the one uh, that, that picked up on, on Brett's team earlier and said, Hey, you know what? They're a little better than their record uh, indicates. So. Yep. And I, you know, I thought it was because of guys like Cortland Sutton, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. And obviously, you know, two of those guys were injured and one had a monster game. The other thing I want to call out the one last thing for Brett's team, because this, this, he may be kicking himself a little bit here. You know, we went into that, that Sunday night game, my team was done and he still had the commander's defense and he needed um, a 14 out of them to, you know, just tie. And he would have won the tiebreaker by virtue of being the higher seed. He gets a four out of the commander's defense, but I looked at the waiver wire and there were a handful of other teams that were out there that he could have picked. And had he picked any of these teams, the Colts defense put up a 27, the giants defense, that same game put up a 19 Browns put up a 17 and even the lions defense. Going up against Zach Wilson, they put up a 16. Any one of those game, any one of those uh, teams would have won the game for him. Um, so tough break there. Uh, be curious to know what his thought was if he was, you know, really buying into uh, regression from Daniel Jones, or if he thought just that the the Commanders' defensive line was going to be stout, but just a four when he needed a 14 just crushed him. Well, um, I think they. Commanders D put up a 10 the last time they faced the Giants in New York. So maybe they're, maybe he's thinking, Hey, uh, a home game against them. They'll at least put up a 10. Yeah. I mean, you know, gotta be a tough thought process to go through when you're trying to find a defense off the waiver wire, you're looking at matchups, I get, you know, trying to get a home game out of it, but yeah, just tough break knowing that that was the one decision really, that's probably going to come back and haunt him. Other than Taylor injury, he could have gotten by with a different defense. Yeah. Well, like I said, tip of the hat to, to Brett and Danny. I think you've got a, a new sponsor lined up for us this week. So let's go take a listen we to do. that. Yeah, let's hear from our new sponsor. And then when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to get into that look ahead for some of those non-playoff teams um, looking at their 2023 outlook here. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back. Today's episode of A Bit of Lacio is sponsored by Klosterhof Restaurant in Frankfurt, Germany. Klosterhof delivers schnitzels, beef rolladen, and potato dishes in a long-standing wood-paneled venue with a beer garden. Don't forget to try the Schlager Korherren schnitzel and tell them A Bit of Lacio sent you. Welcome back. Uh, as promised, we're going to do our uh, look ahead to 2023 for some of these uh, teams that fell just short of the playoffs. Uh, we're going to kick things off here with the Chulota Tortoises. The Tortoises made a few deals right at the trade deadline. They kind of saw the writing on the wall. And so now they've got a few guys going in um, with some pretty good looking contracts, John. Um, at running back, he's got uh, Travis Etienne, $31, signed through 2024. He's also got Tony Pollard on a $2 deal through next year. And on his bench, uh, James Cook, $7. Uh, 
through 2023. I'm not sure if that one's going to pay off, but obviously Cook's a, a young rookie right now. So, you know, he could make that leap next year. Um, and then he's also got a wide receiver. This is, you know, this looks like a bigger, bigger value by the day. Garrett Wilson, $1 um, signed through next year. Some of the guys he maybe he's not so excited about carrying over. Um, he's got the Bucks D. He couldn't believe he did this. He signed them. They're only a dollar, but through 2024. And then the big salary albatross he's got bearing down on him. Michael Thomas, $19 signed through 2024, which means it's going to take two cut slots if he wants to get rid of him right away. John, what do you think about this so far? I like Garrett Wilson. Um, and everybody knows I like Etienne. Ricky's been vocal about he thinks he got the the short end of that stick there, didn't get the value that he was expecting. Etienne's had a couple down games, but the the potential is there. You've seen it. He's he's got potential to be a you know top five running back. Uh, so I would take that Garrett Wilson, obviously, like you mentioned, Michael Thomas. That that one hurts. That one's going to sting for a while. But all in all, he's pretty well positioned uh, moving forward. You know, Tony Pollard at $2, kind of see what the Cowboys do in the offseason. That could very well be a really good contract. Yeah, uh, if they if they move on from Zeke and let Tony Pollard be the guy, then that's $2 is an absolute steal. Yeah, and, and to have Pollard at $2, Etienne at 31 Garrett Wilson at 1 that's a a really good base to build your team around. Yeah, I mean, $34 for what might, you know, be three bona fide starters there. And it, he can do that. He's got, as it stands now, he's got $131 in cap space available to him. Now, obviously, if he cuts anyone's or cuts anyone or franchises anyone, that can change a little bit. Um, but 131 means, you know, he can still spend some top tier dollars on some of those other positions. Yeah, looking at his team, I don't really like his franchise options, so... If yeah, he's he got a few interesting cases. He's got Jerry Judy, who could franchise to $16. Dak Prescott to 13 Antonio Gibson seems like he might be being phased out, but he's only at $12 if he franchises him. And then Chris Godwin, that's a little pricey there, $45. Interesting to see what happens with you know the quarterback situation there. If Brady returns to Tampa, if not, maybe it makes an easier decision to move on from Godwin. Well, he, he has potential to have a much better season next year if he makes the right decisions on draft day yeah absolutely i mean again pollard and wilson three bucks and and etienne you know i i wouldn't be surprised if uh, someone else values etienne a little bit more than ricky does there might be a trade in the works in the offseason for him could be yeah, you I'll, john you know i'll take him back uh could be a number of people i think you know etienne's probably got a wide range of opinions we're likely only going to have three more opportunities to watch him play this year unless the jags sneak into the playoffs which they're only one game back so certainly a possibility, but at the end, you know, put some more stuff on tape and uh, Ricky will be able to evaluate him as will the rest of the owners here. Well, I'm sure he's listening. Yep. Uh, another guy we hope is listening, Mikey Flynn and the gingers. Uh, this one's a little bit of a different situation here. Mikey's got a lot of money tied up in some of these guys that may not be um, viewed such, you know, so much as assets. The big dollar amount he's got tied up here is DeAndre Hopkins. He's come back from his suspension. He's been okay with Kyler Murray in play. When it's not Murray, it's not so great. Uh, but Hopkins, $52 uh, through next year. That's a huge dollar amount. Yeah, you can't really see my face right now, but it's not not looking good. I I wouldn't want to be holding on to that contract. 
you know, it's tough to return dividends on that. And obviously with Mar Kyler Murray being out for this year, you're not going to be able to really evaluate uh, DeAndre Hopkins as well. I think we know what we have with DeAndre Hopkins. Probably going to be a little bit overpriced at $52 for next year, but I don't know if it's that much overpriced that it's worth using a cut slot on. So it's up to, you know, Mikey to make a decision there. And some of the other guys he's got, you know, Christian Kirk at $13, Tyler Boyd at $13, both through next year. Those are reasonable deals. He's also got Trey Lance at three bucks through next year, Hunter Renfro at five bucks through next year, and probably my favorite contract of all the entire league here. Still has Henry Ruggs of the Clark County Prison System, um, three dollars through 2023. Yeah, not quite set up moving forward as well as Ricky is, but he's got some potential there. Now, he does still have, you know, $111 in cap space if he doesn't franchise anyone or cut anyone from there. Um, he's got one, you know, major franchise candidate, uh, Stefan Diggs, probably the best player on his team, could be franchised for $35. Really depends on if Mikey wants to do that or make, you know, cuts differently and, and open up some roster spots and some cap space elsewhere. And then he's got a few other guys that are reasonable enough contracts. He's got Devin Singletary, could be franchised to 6 bucks. TJ Hawkinson to 14 Kyler Murray to 20 Worth calling out Daryl Henderson, um, who just got picked up by the Cardinals. I don't know, I guess he didn't sign. He just visited the Cardinals. Could be interesting to see where he lands next year. Could be franchised for 6 bucks and Cordero Patterson franchise for 14 next year. So a lot of options available to Mikey. It'd be interesting to see how he uses his two slots. Maybe I'll make a trade with him and uh, pick up one of those guys and franchise him myself. Could, could be. You know, if you uh, take someone else off his hands, maybe uh, Henry Ruggs, you can... Uh, I'll take rugs bear that burden. All right. The other Flynn to not make the playoffs that uh, we're talking about here, Sean's fantasy football team. Yeah, he doesn't have any major dollars tied up in any of these guys here. Um, the guys he does have tied to next year already, Justin Herbert, $20 through next year. Uh, we've talked about Damian Pierce, the Houston rookie running back, 18 bucks through next year. Um, and then some other guys that are interesting, Alan Lazard, 12 bucks through next year. Tyler Algier, only $3 through next year. Alexander Madison, um, obviously, you know, the Minnesota backup running back. He's got him for a dollar next year. That'll be interesting if they ever move him or something happens to Dalvin Cook. Um, that would suddenly be a huge steal as Madison certainly shown um, the talent level there, if not the opportunity. And then one other guy he's got tied up through uh, 2024, a deal. Interesting what's been going on there. Elijah Moore left the team. He's since come back. I don't have no idea. I mean, obviously where he's going to land, if he's going to pair th repair things with the jets, if he's going to get traded during the off season. Uh, but Sean's likely going to be tied to him long-term as well. The one that I look at that on the surface looks like a pretty good deal is Lazard at $12. That one could go South, right? You've got a, a situation there in green Bay where they have two rookies that are getting a whole lot of attention. You've got a big question mark with Aaron Rodgers. If he comes back, I'm not sure I'd be so excited about that Lazard contract. And even if he doesn't and they have Jordan Love, Jordan Love may give his love to the uh, the sophomore receivers next year and and not so much with Lazard. I'm sorry, John. Did you say he's going to give his love? Yeah, Jordan Love gives his love, man. Okay, I, I have no comments on that. <laughs> that one caught me off guard. I'll admit it. Um <laughs> So let me just move on. Sean's fantasy, uh, or excuse me, franchise options. I'm all off my game now with that. Um, look, he could franchise Saquon Barkley at $78. I know Sean's a Giants fan, and Saquon's shown some pep this year, but 
$78. I don't know if he's going to be uh, willing to pay up that much. C.D. Lamb would be $58. A couple more reasonable price tags are James Conner, $20, and Adam Thielen, $17. I don't see anything there that really interests me. Yep. Well, if he doesn't make any moves there, $135 in cap space. So he's going in, you know, with just as much, if, if not more than anybody else, at least so far that with the teams we've reviewed cap wise. So yeah, I mean, getting a lot of guys where he can lock in, he's got a quarterback locked in, you know, at minimum, one of those running back slots seemingly with uh, Damian Pierce and maybe more, you know, he's really got to you know, just fill in around that. He's got uh, plenty of dollars to do that. Well, and then the last team we're going to talk about here today is the New Jersey mob. This is a team that maybe doesn't have quite as much cap space looking at. So I'll call this out right now. The big salary that he's carrying, Joe Mixon, $63 through next year. Um, and then beyond that, he's got uh, Hollywood Brown, $19 through next year. Devontae Smith, $17 through next year. Uh, Dallas Goddard, who just came back to practice this week and looks like he'll play this week, is on a $6 deal through 2024. That one seems like a bargain. Um, and then he, he's got some curious contracts coming up here now. He's got at kicker, Evan McPherson, $3 tied through next year. The Rams defense, $2 through next year. That's uh, interesting. That's a tough one to have to carry, it seems like, for yeah. the time being. Um, and then he's got three guys on dollar deals through next year. Cam Akers, who's definitely been showing more bounce back week over week here over the last few weeks. Um, Kadarius Toney with, you know, getting a, a season, an off season to get acclimated in the Kansas City offense could certainly pay dividends. And then, man, the, the decision that looks worse and worse by the day when he traded away Garrett Wilson to bring back Corey Davis on a $1 deal through next year. Yeah, you know, like you said, a lot of – he had a lot of trades going back and forth. And, yeah, picking up Mixon, that one stings. Uh, he had the, the one good game that, you know, looked like he still had what, it, what he had in the past. I would cut him and then maybe pick him back up for – $38. Well, you know, he's got to figure out how he wants to use his franchise cut slots. He does have only only two eligible options. Um, he's got so many guys that, you know, weren't either weren't on the one-year deals or he picked them up off waivers. But the guys he are eligible, T. Higgins would be franchise eligible at $13. And then Aaron Jones, um, we got to call it out because it's plausible, but he would be $73. That's, that's not plausible. Well, no. I, I guess he could franchise both of them for $86 combined because without franchising them, he's got $87 in cap space. Actually, I guess he could not do that. He literally could not franchise both of them and field a lineup. Yeah. So he is. He's going to have to do some rebuilding, maybe some trades. Uh, $87 in cap space to build around would be tough. I mean, obviously, you know, guy like Cam Akers, if he can come in and be a starting running back at a $1 deal, that would help them, you know, might be able to fill in around that. Interesting to see where Cam Akers lands in the offseason. Yeah, looking at all of those options, though, it's a whole lot of, well, this this could work out. And, you know, maybe like a 12% chance that it might work out. It, I wouldn't feel too comfortable with that. Well, John, I'll put you on the spot. Of the four teams we just talked about, Tortoises, Gingers, Fantasy Football Team, and Mob, which of those teams do you think has the best outlook for next year? Just looking at the lineups, the Tortoises. You know, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, I think, you know, Sean's got a, a good lineup there in the cap space. Uh, but, yeah, the Tortoises, just knowing that you've got three starting lineup spots locked up and can fill in around that probably feels pretty comfortable for Rick. Um, remains to be seen if he'll, you know, find a way to screw it up, though. Yeah, and not to give too much advice, but you give me that lineup. I cut Michael Thomas, 
consider franchising Judy and then you roll with what you got and build around it and he could have a contender next year. Well, here's the problem with that. If you cut Michael Thomas, it takes away a cut slot for 2024 as well, which means he's really focused on one single year then of contention and then has less of an opportunity to either franchise or cut people going into two years out. So it depends how much he really likes his lineup, if he feels like he could make a run. And certainly I think that's what we're saying is he does have a, a playoff caliber. You know, if he wants to push all his chips into the table for next year, uh, Michael Thomas cutting him would free up uh, extra cap space for a uh, little more wiggle room and roster construction. And I think it's a little much to go into the season and say, well, I've got Michael Thomas, so I'm just going to, you know, bite the bullet and, and have that negative bringing me down for two years. It's much easier, a, a much sounder plan to go ahead and cut your losses, move forward, make better decisions moving forward. Yep, there we go. And I apologize. I know this. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up. I will mention it. We talked on our, our bonus episode, the auction review, thinking that that was the best contract, or at least I said that, that that was Ricky's best contract in the auction. My, how quickly things change. <laughs> well, that does it for the look ahead for uh, this group of teams. Next week, we're going to come back with the two other teams that missed the playoffs, the unruly fans and the boneheads, as well as the two teams that we said goodbye to this week. Um, we'll review league champ and Flynn's flock and their outlook for next year as well. But now the only thing we have left to look forward to is the semifinals. And John, We've got two big games coming up here, uh, games that you and I are directly involved in. We'll start out taking a look at my game here. You know, I'm playing against the team that helped me get into the playoffs. I'm playing against Team Wobble. Yeah, man. Who are you rooting for? You, team Wobble's been been your team that you've been pulling for this whole time. And now what? You got to you got to turn on them. Well, no. Look, I guess my my way of looking at this is I can be happy with the outcome either way. Um, if I win, I'm going to the championship game for the second year in a row. If Josh wins, you know, he did me a solid and, you know, I wish him all the best of luck. CBS seems to think that that's more likely to be the situation of me wishing Josh the best of luck. They've got him projected to beat me 94 to 78. A little lopsided right now, but I think that's what happens when you get the one seed versus the six seed, right? Yeah, it's going to take some uh, some magic on your end some overperformance out of a lot of your players. Well, that's, I, I mean, that's what we're going to hope for, you know, at quarterback, we'll go, you know, look at the, the, the positional matchups here. Quarterback, he's got the edge, right? Patrick Mahomes at home against Seattle. I don't know if I can keep pace with that. I'd be happy to try just to break even there. Seattle has a sneaky good defense, but I don't know if they're going to be able to contain Kansas city. Yep. And so I, honestly, I don't know who I'm starting at quarterback this week, even. Um, I've got two tough matchups. I've got to decide by Thursday night. My choices are Trevor Lawrence, who plays Thursday night at the Jets. The Jets have a real tough pass defense. I just watched them play against the Lions. Um, they pretty much shut down the Lions wide receivers, especially the, the outside wide receivers. So, you know, the alternative is you know, leaning towards going with this is just starting Justin Fields against Buffalo. Yeah, I don't know how well the weather's going to be in Chicago there anyway, but again, I'm probably just hoping for Justin Fields to run wild, get another 100 or so on the ground, maybe get a couple touchdowns there, kind of that high-variant style. It sucks benching Trevor Lawrence. Um, he's been on fire recently, but I need the big points, and Justin Fields, I think, gives me the best avenue to that. 
Well, you you could make the argument the other way also that Trevor Lawrence might be playing from behind, might be throwing a lot, a lot of opportunities just to get that one miraculous play. John, if you're trying to get me to make a decision one way or the other, I don't think telling me that Trevor Lawrence will be playing from behind against the Jets and Zach Wilson is really going to sell me on it. <laughs> um, no, I don't think the Jets are going to be playing with a huge lead. I mean, the Jags are playing okay. They gave up a ton of points to the Cowboys still, but um, I, I think just as likely that Buffalo gets off to a huge start and Justin Fields has the ball in his hands, whether it's running or throwing. Um, again, that's where I'm leaning. I may change my mind two or three more times between now and Thursday. Yeah, I just can't feel good uh, relying on a Bear quarterback to bring you through the playoffs. Look, Justin Fields has brought me this far. We're going to ride him till the wheels fall off and, and just go as far as he can take me, I think. Yeah, moving on to running backs, though. You're not completely overmatched at running back. No, and I'm feeling a little bit better about things after last week. So, Josh, we've talked about – I mean, this, his decisions are pretty easy. He's got Alvin Kamara, Miles Sanders, and pretty much nobody else. So, you know, those two guys are locked in. be interesting to see what happens to Miles Sanders – um, assuming that Jalen Hurts does not play, which appears to be the case as the time we're recording this. Uh, Sanders might get more opportunities as they put the ball in his hands and not in Gardner Minshew's. But yeah, I, you know, he's got Kamara and Sanders. I've got Ramondre Stevenson. And John, just as of maybe 30 minutes ago, I made this change. I, I can't bench him. He's been on fire these last two weeks. Jerick McKinnon over Najee Harris for right now. Got to roll with the jerk, man. Um, and it helps me offset maybe a little bit of Mahomes magic. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm making the right call here. Najee Harris is tough to bench for Jarrett McKinnon, who's kind of the second running back on his own team to some extent. But he's well, been putting he, up he's, points this past two weeks. He's the pass catching back. So that does give you the, you know, like you said, when Mahomes throws McKinnon a touchdown, at least you're you're getting some of that. And actually in this league, because McKinnon gets – Six for a receiving touchdown, and Mahomes only gets four for a passing touchdown. You actually come out ahead there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I got to hope he stays hot. It's hard to, you know, bench him when he's on fire lately. So we'll roll with the hot hand again. Same with uh, Justin Fields and well, see what happens. And you touched on Miles Sanders with Jalen Hurts being out. There's completely possible that Dallas just stops the run and says, you know what? If you are going to beat us, it's going to have to be on Gardner Minshew's arm. You know, so Miles Sanders could get completely shut down in this game. You know what? I wouldn't uh, be surprised if they took that approach and, and dared Gardner Minshew to beat them. So, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. Alvin Kamara, you know, has been getting shut down more often than not lately. Uh, Josh's team is fading at running back um, as of late. And I think this is where, if anywhere, this is where I'm going to put uh, pick up points and, and be able to salvage things a bit. Yeah, and then getting into wide receivers, uh, you're, you've are you got to be kind of torn personally in this matchup, huh? Uh, not necessarily torn. Um, I know what you're getting at, though, is that we're as it stands now, we're both starting a lion wide receiver. Josh has uh, got Amon Ross St. Brown leading his charge. He's also got Juju Smith-Schuster and Gabe Davis in his starting lineup. I'm rolling with Michael Pittman, Chris Olave, and Lions receiver DJ Chark. Another one of those for now decisions for me. Um, but yeah, in that, in that Lions game, are you going to be, I mean, you've got to be rooting for the Lions to do good and win and, and make it to the playoffs. But if St. Brown catches a 60 yard touchdown, are you cheering? Are you screaming in anger? Like what's going on there? Yeah, I'm cheering. I, I'm still happy. What? I wish, 
Amon Ra all the best. I've got him in another league or two, actually. So it's one of those, you know, I'll, I'll be torn either way, depending on if he has a good game or a bad game. I may as well have him uh, do well for the Lions. But if they happen to throw it to DJ Chark or DJ Chark happens to throw some weird little gadget play pass to Amon Ra, all the better. Well, and then if uh, Gabe Davis goes off and has a, a great game, are you going to be cursing a former UCF Knight? I like Gabe Davis. He was nice to my kid, and I have nothing bad to say about him. However, um, th- this is interesting. You know, Gabe Davis has been iced last five weeks. He's put up a six, a three, a seven, a three, and a five. And you say, well, okay, but now he's got a good matchup here against Chicago. Well, he had a great matchup against Detroit, and he only put up a three against them. They've got one of the worst pass defenses in the league. So Gabe Davis is is fading. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. You know, it's not quite the breakout we thought we would see after last year's playoff game uh, breakout. And then, you know, good start to the season for Gabe. But yeah, he's he's just been hot or cold outside of, you know, few good games here or there. He's been scoring three points or less five different games this season. It's a, a, a tough matchup. Then you're also relying on uh, Michael Pittman there with, Matt Ryan throwing to him. The only thing I like about Michael Pittman, twofold here. One is Andy may very well be throwing the ball more with um, not having uh, Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and, you know, not playing from a lead where they're choking it away. Um, I fully expect them to be playing from behind against the Chargers. So hopefully Pittman gets a lot of, you know, short little dump off passes, 10 yards here, 10 yards there. And the other thing I like about him, honestly, he plays on Monday night. So no matter how far behind I am this week, and I fully expect to be behind going into Monday night, I'll at least have some sliver of hope with Michael Pittman. Hopefully we can keep it close enough to make it reasonable and not need a 50-burger out of him. Yeah, with Olave playing in Cleveland, uh, there's supposed to be a blizzard there this weekend, right? Yeah, and you know what? I'm starting DJ Chark, uh, and I'm not thrilled necessarily about that. I kind of hope that'll go well. But also Chris Olave, we said the same thing about Gabe Davis. I'll say it about Olave. He's kind of been going cold recently as well. He had um, three straight games of five to six points. So on one hand, I guess he's consistent on the other. And that's kind of his floor is five to six points. But he just hits that floor more often than not. And the ceiling really isn't there for him. His highest game this season, 16 uh, fantasy points. He's had, you know, 14, a 12 and 11 to 10. So he's consistent, but he's not quite the high variance guy that I may ne- you know, necessarily need to blow up um, in order for me to be Josh. So this is again, where I, I have no idea which receivers I'm starting other than Michael Pittman um, on my bench. I've got Brandon Ayuk who never saw the ball. I've got Romeo Dobbs, Jamison Williams, man. He had another, you know, one deep look where he had the uh, defenders beat on Sunday and just uh, Jared Goff didn't get the ball far enough downfield. He had to slow up and it got knocked away. But he's a guy I could see myself starting, believe it or not, Jamison Williams and just kind of hoping for that, you know, big 50-yard touchdown bomb. Mm. Well, and then moving on, how do you feel about this uh, matchup of the Tier 1 tight ends? <laughs> um, there is only one Tier 1 tight end. It is on Josh's team, Travis Kelsey. I, I have Mark Andrews, and the only thing I can say is Mark Andrews is playing against Atlanta. Um, who's terrible against the tight end position. So fingers crossed. We got to get Lamar Jackson back, I feel like, to make Mark Andrews valuable. Otherwise, yeah, I'm just hoping that Travis Kelsey, or more importantly, Pat Mahomes has a bad game, which filters down to Travis Kelsey and to Juju Smith-Schuster. If Mahomes has a bad game, and that's the only, you know, way I can look at it, and it filters down to Kelsey and Juju, then I've got a shot. 
not ideal for me to be hoping that Mahomes has a bad game at home against a pretty weak passing defense in Seattle. So that's my way to win. I just don't think it's very likely. Yeah, that's kind of my expert analysis as well, is the only way you come out of this game ahead is if KC just falls flat. Yep. And you know what? If you had told me six weeks ago, whenever the trade deadline was, when I made the trade to give you Tyreek Hill um, in exchange for an injured Cooper Cup, I've thrown in the towel on this season um, effectively with that trade. And so to be here in the semifinals after effectively looking ahead to next year, I think we've exceeded expectations. We'll see where this goes. You know, I'm running into a buzzsaw this week. I'm fully aware of that. So, Josh, I wish you the best of luck. If Kansas City happens to do poorly, um, I'd be okay with that. Well, and so you're matching up against the team that I believe you had picked to win the, the championship, and I'm matching up against the team that I picked to win the championship. That's right. Team Maddox against you'll see. And I think, you know, at the time you picked them, things have changed since then. John, you are now favored over you'll see 92 to 87. And honestly, the big news here, we touched on this already a little bit here. Uh, Jalen Hurts, man, just kind of out of nowhere. He finished the game on Sunday, but now he is likely to miss this week's game. Um, it's not official just yet. But Jalen Hurts is going to be out, and Tommy is putting Lamar Jackson back in the starting lineup. Yeah, I don't know what Tommy was thinking. Uh, when you're on a bye, you've got to rest your stars, man. So what's he doing letting Jalen Hurts get hurt on his bye week? He definitely left him in the starting lineup, and I think that could have been just enough bad karma there. It's interesting. You know, he's got Lamar Jackson, uh, who's still questionable, right? He's not definitively back. That's right. He's still got that PCL sprain, and he did not practice today, Tuesday, as we're recording this. He did not practice today, um, so we'll see if he uh, gets into practice uh, Wednesday or Thursday. He's got a Saturday game, so Thursday is going to be the last practice. They wouldn't practice on a Friday before a Saturday game. But um, good, good news for Tommy. Yes. He's got three quarterbacks. He does. Um, he's also got Deshaun Watson. Uh, Watson is forecasted to have two points less than Lamar Jackson as it stands now. So he'd take a little bit of a hit there. The good news from a decision-making standpoint, if Lamar Jackson gets ruled out, Lamar, both Lamar and Deshaun play Saturday 1 p.m. games. So as long as Tommy's paying attention, which by the way, everyone, Josh included, uh, these games are going to start on Saturday, not Sunday this week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tommy would at least have the option to make that quick sub and hopefully um, nothing happens to Deshaun Watson between now and then, um, but he's got three quarterbacks and looks like this week he needs all three of them. Yeah. And then I've, as of right now, I got to roll with Kirk, the jerk. You got to can't bench him, right? Yeah. You got to dance with the one that brought you. Right. So you're, you're going to keep Tua on the bench here. You're going to keep, uh, you know, break up, so to speak, the Tua to Tyreek combo. I, I guess so. How can I argue with Kirk putting up 30 plus points? In, in a single half. Well, I mean, he did it in overtime as well. Well, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess the argument is he had negative one points in another half. <laughs> so we'll have to figure out which Kirk Cousins you get on Saturday. Yeah, it's... I'm not comfortable with my quarterback situation. I'm much more comfortable with my running back situation. Your running back situation looks really good. You've got Austin Eckler. You've got Nick Chubb. Now, we do need to call out Nick Chubb. 
popped up on the injury report. A little bit of a foot issue. He did not practice today. Didn't appear to be major so far. So obviously, you know, this first practice of the week is the one that most players will, you know, sit out and miss. Um, and then they come back later in the week and it's, you know, no real issues for the weekend's games. Um, but yeah, Eckler and Chubb, if they go, if Chubb doesn't go, you've at least got a pretty good option in the uh, reserve in terms of Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, I'm not not too uh, not too keen on matching up against Travis Henry though. Travis Henry would be interesting if he played, but you're going up against Derrick Henry. Yeah, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry <laughs> running against the Houston Texans rush defense that could be a disaster for you. <laughs> Tommy's also got David Montgomery, who, you know, coming off a good game um, this past week, got two touchdowns here en route to uh, 20 fantasy points overall against Philly. Tough defense to do it against. He's going to have to do it against uh, another tough defense this week in Buffalo. So, and, or against Buffalo. And he's going to have to do it uh, sharing time. Uh, Khalil Herbert's supposed to be back this week. He is back. He's, he's designated to return. Um, be interesting to see if he comes back right away for this game. Obviously, with Chicago being completely out of the playoff chase, maybe they don't rush him back too much if he's not 100%. So we'll have to see. Montgomery still could be the sole guy in the backfield there. So definitely a strong suit for both you uh, of you two teams here. Eckler, Chubb, Henry, Montgomery. Uh, a lot of points coming out of the running backs, I predict, here this week. Yeah. John, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, John, running backs are going to be close. I don't think wide receivers are, man. I think you've got a huge edge here. Your wide receivers, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, two standout names. Um, and then you're rolling with Darius Slayton as it stands right now, huh? As it stands right now, we'll go with Darius Slayton. He's got, got a better matchup. Jamar Chase is going up against New England, so that's potentially not a great matchup. I like Tyreek going up against Green Bay at home. Devontae Adams scares me, though. You are going up against Devontae Adams. Um, he's playing in Pittsburgh. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the weather forecast holds out there. It's supposed to be really cold. Maybe we'll get some snow on Saturday. Well, um, it's a night game, so it's going to be even colder. But Devontae Adams is has performed at a high level at, at night in cold weather before. I suppose that's true. Maybe Derek Carr and the rest of the Raiders have not been exposed <laughs> to that as much. But if Devontae doesn't come through, I don't see where Tommy's getting a lot of the other points from because his other two receivers are Van Jefferson and Mac Hollins right now. Well, if you recall, Tommy and I matched up a couple weeks ago, and he beat me with a last-minute Van Jefferson touchdown. Well, you know, Tommy's dealing with injuries right now, hitting him at the wrong time. He's stuck starting these two guys because Tyler Lockett underwent surgery on his broken index finger. Definitely going to be out this week. He may very well be back week 17, so if Tommy can survive this week, he may get Tyler Lockett back in time for the championship. Yeah, and like you mentioned, um, matching up against two Las Vegas Raider uh, wide receivers, as good as Devontae Adams does, I don't see Matt Collins making up that difference. So he's you're basically playing Devontae Adams for two spots. Well, and not only that, it's almost three spots because Tommy, uh, in addition to Adams and Matt Collins, he's also got Darren Waller, who's come back at tight end. Um, came back and looked all right there. Um, he got that touchdown this week in his return, 48 yards and a touchdown overall, 10 fantasy points, first game back. But yeah, three Raiders pass catchers uh, going against Pittsburgh's defense. Um, this is another option where, though, Tommy may you know make a pivot here. He does have Dawson Knox on his bench. Um, so if he starts to worry about having too many Raiders, he has an option there to uh, to go with if he decides to flip things around. 
Well, in that game, I'll be rooting for a bunch of field goals. Well, oh, you have Daniel Carlson. I sure do. Um, you've got Pratt Farmer starting at tight end this week, though? As of right now, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to roll with Taysom Hill two weeks in a row. And it also, your reason for benching him last week was you didn't want Mitch Trubisky. It looks like, by all accounts, uh, Trubisky's going to be back on the bench. So he'll, Fryermuth will have his, his regular quarterback back in play for him. Kenny Pickett will be cleared by concussion protocol, it appears, at this stage. Yeah, and, and just looking at Taysom Hill, once again, matching up in Cleveland in a blizzard, and he's the gadget guy, I don't see a whole lot of magical gadget plays happening when it's you know, driving snow. Now, John, there's one thing I would be, I did not um, all season long. I've told you about him. Um, you're starting Darius Slayton over a number of receivers, Donovan people, Jones, you're starting him over Deontay Johnson. Are you sure that is wise? Well, he's, he's got a, he's listed as a, a limited participant. He's got a toe thing going on. So maybe if he gets cleared, he might make it into my starting lineup, but I'm, like I said, I'm really saving him. I'm resting him for the championship game against you. I just want to go on record and saying if it was me, I would be starting Deontay Johnson. Uh, Deontay Johnson is way too valuable to be wasting away on your bench. And I am very concerned, John, that the prospective podcast host versus producer extraordinaire championship matchup is in jeopardy because you are not starting Deontay Johnson. Well, we'll see. We always will see. That's what we do on this podcast. We will see. And John, I think we have seen ourselves to the end of the episode here. Yeah, I don't have anything else. You got anything else? Uh, just wishing you the best of luck. Like I said, man, it, 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 this one should be a close game. It would make for a very fun podcast, very interesting podcast next week if you and I both win this weekend. Um, and also, it's Christmas coming up, so we got to wish all of our listeners um, a Merry Christmas. Yeah, and a, and a Happy Hanukkah as well. I think it's yeah, it is Hanukkah now. I I don't know. I keep, I don't keep track of those things. You know, I don't track that. Hanukkah started yesterday, so yeah. Well, I'm glad you keep me honest on that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to all of our listeners, uh, everybody, if you want to see the the matchup of uh, podcast host versus producer extraordinaire, then uh, let's root against Kansas City and Las Vegas this weekend. As long as those two teams underperform, then we've got a shot at a, a pod final. I just realized something, John. What's that? I, I need Kansas City to still win the game for the Lions' sake. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe just a whole bunch of running the ball. Even if it's Pacheco, preferably <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, um, five rushing touchdowns on the ground would be perfect. All right. Well, you're, you're in a bind there. Well, go Lions. But yeah, uh, happy holidays to everybody. Um, if you're in an area that's going to be getting snow, uh, stay safe. Don't go out driving and that stuff. Don't forget to like and subscribe and ring that bell for notifications. And we'll see you next week. For Lake Wayne Nocton, everyone. Womam Suge Mays for two ends. Yes, I do.